It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. A chance! And with that, a magical moment in Australian sport has been achieved by one of our greatest sporting teams. The Australian women's cricket team win their fifth... T20 World Cup title in front of a magical crowd at the MCG. Oh, don't you miss the sound of 86,000 fans. I'm not sure when we're going to hear that particular roar again with that magnitude and that amount of people. Hopefully it'll be soon. But, yeah, it seems like a long time ago, doesn't it, the Women's T20 World Cup final. And, of course, the last time the Australian women's cricket team graced the turf, they were entertaining that particular figure of spectators at the MCG in that World Cup final. And only days later, the world as we knew it changed as the coronavirus pandemic started to take effect. Now over six months on since that final, which was a watershed moment in global women's sport, the Australian team is back in action to take on their trans-Tasman rivals New Zealand in a T20 series which commences on Saturday at Allen Border Field in Queensland. Elise Villani has played on the big stage for Australia before. She's also an integral part of the Melbourne Stars WBBL squad also a prolific commentator, and she joins me on the line to preview the T20 series. Thanks for your time, Elise. No worries. Thanks for having me. It's a good excuse to have something on on a Wednesday night in Melbourne. <laughs> That's right. Uh, actual human contact in some form, which is quite a rarity for Melbourneians over the last six weeks, uh, or six months, in fact. And speaking of which, we interviewed Molly Strato on this program about six weeks ago, and she mentioned she had to <laughs> twist your arm to get you to move in with her. How have you been coping living with Molly in stage four lockdown in Melbourne? Yeah, well, that was... Um, I. Well, I live alone and, and she lives alone and it was really nice to actually spend about five weeks together in the same house and have have that company and um, it was really nice to train together and I don't know if anyone knows but she's an amazing runner and it's not something I'm very good at so to have someone <laughs> to chase uh, around um, was, um, no, that was, it was great and unfortunately, but fortunately for her, we've been split up and she's off in Brisbane and got bigger and better things to do than uh, be a housemate with me. Well, you keep in touch still with Molly and the Australian team. And also, just on that particular point on training during lockdown, how was that experience? It must have been difficult to adapt to, but did you find that you got used to the whole process? Yeah, I definitely still stay in contact with um, Molly. I think we're just a bit more organised now. We've got a Zoom date coming up on on Friday night, so something to look forward to. But, um, yeah, training in in lockdown was... um, I was really lucky that I was living with Molly at, at that point in time and it is something that you you do sort of get used to but at times you sort of find yourself thinking hasn't the world changed um, significantly in such a short amount of time so um, I, I guess we've kind of gone back to the old days of um, the you know, access to facilities that we used to have about 10 years ago and we came such a long way in yeah. women's cricket in particular so it's sort of like um, going backwards at the moment I suppose but there's a there's more important things um, in play at the moment with the pandemic and 
and um, people losing their lives and their jobs and stuff. So still very fortunate to be able to do um, what we do do, just in, a, I guess, a, a smaller capacity. Yeah, certainly great perspective there, Elise. We're speaking with Elise Villani here on SEN. Tell us about how the preparation has been faring in regards to the entire women's cricketing landscape in these strange times, given there still remains a sense of uncertainty as to how the domestic summer will play out with the WBBL. Even from a national perspective with the national team going forward, we're still none the wiser, I guess, because of the fast-moving nature of the coronavirus pandemic. How has the preparation been, given there's that lingering uncertainty? Yeah, I think it's um it's it's been pretty testing to be honest. There's a, a lot of um I guess the only thing that's certain is that things are really uncertain, so to speak. And um I know currently um the Victorian based Big Bash girls are in a two week bubble at the moment. So um we it's basically stage four plus, so we're not allowed to go to the shops or exercise with other people. Mm. Um because we're I guess we're doing a two week quarantine and then um, we're heading to Sydney to do another two weeks quarantine um, in a hotel before uh, then meeting up with the rest of the Big Bash teams um, in Sydney Olympic Park for a, a bit of a hub style, a bit like the AFL footballers. So mm. we've effectively got four weeks of quarantine before then a six-week quarantine hub, so to speak. So it's a very interesting time, something obviously we haven't done before. And I know the Aussie girls um, have just completed their quarantine as well and um, now they're back training as a full squad, and I think it's um yeah it's just really interesting. Depending on where you live, is depending on how many um days quarantine you have to do. I know that Belinda Vakawira and Nicola Carey only had to do three days of quarantine um in their home in in Tassie. So I think um it's it's one of the um small amounts of time where where Tassie's probably been a bit of a, a hotspot, <laughs> and and people probably wishing that they lived in Tassie because uh, they were just living their best lives down there and completely unaware to to what the rest of the girls in their squad have, have sort of been through over the last couple of months. It's a parallel universe, isn't it? To Melbourne all of a sudden no longer the envy <laughs> based on what's been yeah. happening. Uh, just in regards to some of not only your teammates but also your opponents in the WBBL, you've got to remember a number of them uh, potentially have work commitments. Some of them are still at school. How has this whole experience been? I think particularly for some of those younger players who still have school, they've got exams coming up as well. Has it been a bit of a whirlwind from what you've heard? Yeah, you know, someone like Tess Flintoff who plays for the Melbourne Stars and made her debut last year. She's in the middle of Year 12 at the moment. Um, and so she'll Jeez. be completing her exams um, in the in the hub in Sydney. But um, she's wow. also had to move out of her family home currently and, and in with a teammate. So... For someone like her who's spending potentially 10 weeks away from not only her family but um, I guess uh, her support networks as well, uh, she's a she's a really good kid and got her head screwed on and um, I know that her support networks will be supporting her from afar. But, yeah, that's definitely a challenge. Um, a lot of the girls have only sort of been on two-week tours maximum in, in underage stuff coming through. So to have that to, to um, I guess, expand out to 10 weeks will, will certainly be a challenge. But, um you know, it was all something that we were, you know, willing and, and able to do in order to get the Big Bash underway this year. And we've built such great momentum over the last few years. So we really didn't want to let the, the opportunities slip, so to speak. Mm. So even though it's, you know, um, there's going to be some significant challenges out there, we know that, um, you know, the ACA and Cricket Australia will support the players as best as possible and make sure we've got some um, support networks in place. But for sure, people work and people study and, and people are at school. So there's, there's going to be a, a real range of challenges. 
Speaking with Elise Villani here on SEN, just before we touch on the national team ahead of their T20 series against New Zealand, which starts this Saturday, in regards to the WBBL, you mentioned you don't want to stifle the momentum. I guess there's a little bit of excitement as well, because once we go into that October 25th starting date, the footy codes are pretty much done and dusted. There's no NBL. There's no A-League at that point in November. There'll be a little bit of horse racing around, but you're basically going to have the whole sporting window, at least locally, or the majority of it anyway, to yourself. So that's a little bit exciting, I guess, if you want to find a silver lining. Yeah, very exciting. And and that's exactly why we want to keep the momentum going. It's a great way to showcase our sport and and, um, the many talents on display. And it's going to be a really hectic uh, tournament. I think just something like 14 games in 30 days uh, for each team. So there's going to be, yeah, lots of cricket, live streams and and on Channel 7 as well. So, uh, yeah, it's very exciting. And um, I know the girls are, are really looking forward to playing some games and um, especially for the Melburnians once we get through the, the first four weeks of quarantine will be the most socialisation we've ever had inside that hub for a number <laughs> of months so um, very much looking forward to the experience and continuing to, to build the brand. Right, we'll put our commentator's hat on now. Tell us about this Australian lineup and how you predict they'll perform against New Zealand come Saturday with the first T20 given Elise Perry is not far away from returning of course. Uh, new face in the national squad, Maitland Brown coming in, the closed mouth singer as she's often referred to who was a dangerous bowler for the Melbourne Renegades in the last WBBL season. How do you analyse the squad coming in? Well I think um, the most difficult thing that, that's going to be there for the Australians is, is actually... Um, selecting an 11. Um, there's a squad of 18 over there at the moment and any one of those players can definitely play a, a huge role in that starting 11. So the selectors and, and Meg Lanning and Coach Matthew Mott have a huge task on their hands and, and um, I think a lot will sort of New Zealand um, on how competitive they will be. I think a lot will come down to their experienced players in Sophie Devon, Susie Bates and, and Katie Martin behind the stumps. But um, Amelia Kerr as well. I think if the Australians play Amelia Kerr really well, then um, I think it should be a, a dominant performance from the Australians. But in saying that, there's a real knack between Australia and New Zealand where the series are always really tight. So it's always a really exciting, mm. um, always really exciting game against the two nations. And I know that um, Sophie Devine will be looking to, to prove a point after a disappointing um, campaign for the team. Um, in the recent T20 World Cup and then having Amy Satterthwaite coming back, the ex-New Zealand captain as well, she'll definitely add some strength through that middle order with the bat, which is probably um, where they've lacked a little bit of experience in the past. So um, I think it's going to be a really tight contest. I am obviously tipping Australia for a number of reasons. but um, (laughs) We all are. I'm also also tipping um, Elisa Healy and Beth Minnick to, to continue their fine form as well. You mentioned the exit for New Zealand from that T20 World Cup. It was against Australia, that final game of their campaign at the Junction Oval, where they did challenge, but I think Georgia Wareham sort of turned the game on its head with a great spin bowling, the Wolf. How much can you draw upon as a predictor from that game when we come into this T20 series? I think um, particularly someone like Georgia Wareham, um, as you mentioned, she had a a fantastic game, and I I don't think she played that might have been her first game in that tournament, to be honest, and she'd probably struggled a little bit for form throughout the season. So someone like herself will take a lot of confidence. And generally speaking, leg spin has been a really good matchup to to New Zealand. So I'm sort of um, yeah expecting um, you know Wolf with the leggies and the couple of left armers to, to play a huge role. So 
I think, um, yeah, definitely going off the, the back of the last time they met. As I said, it's always a really close um, contest, but um, we'll see how Sophie Devine goes because I know that she's determined as ever to, to have some success with the New Zealand team. Speaking with Elise Villani here on SEN, star cricketer and commentator extraordinaire. Just a few more before I let you go. You've played in Queensland before around the early parts of the summer. Are the conditions different and difficult to adapt to in many ways because of the humidity and the dew compared to the southern states, or is it not much of an issue? Well, uh, I mean, it's it's a beautiful place to play cricket because yeah. of the weather in Queensland, and um, particularly from an Australian point of view, that's always been where the winter camps have been held as well. So right. in terms of conditions, the... Australians will be um, really familiar with that and um, everyone always jokes about it, Alan Borderfield, um, it being a bit of a batter's paradise. So I'm expecting a lot of runs. It's always a really quick outfield and the pitch is always pretty good as well, particularly starting with the T20s. I think they'll want to have a, a pretty, um, yeah, not not a flat deck. I think there'll be a bit of bounce in there. Um, so look out for Leah Tahuhu from New Zealand. Yeah. Generally speaking, they, they do a fantastic job and they're so used to preparing so many wickets up there that um, I know certainly in practice matches in the past and in the winter camps, it's, it's always been a, a great deck to bat on and a really quick outfield. I remember when I was commentating the WBBL last summer, Leah Tahu, who's a very intimidating bowler, really enjoyed watching her play <laughs> for the Renegades and I'm sure she'll come out with that same attitude again in national colours. I played the audio before the intro regarding Australia's T20 World Cup victory. I may as well ask, were you at the ground and what were your emotions given you'd been in the system for a long period of time? I'm sure you would have loved to have been out there as well. What were your emotions given it was such a significant moment, not only for Australian women's cricket, but women's sport in general? Oh, it was, yeah, I was there and it was um, a really surreal experience to be part of. I remember a couple of years ago being at a Aussie camp and Belinda Clark sort of gave a speech and it was um, regarding the T20 World Cup in, in 2020 and mm. they were talking about, because um, it's the first time that they've split the, the men's and the women's World Cup when they've um, run in the same year. So they were sort of, um, she was bringing that up with the players and we had some concerns because we thought it was a, a great event to sort of have with the men as well. And um, she sort of posed the question, well, why can't, why can't you sell out the MCG? Imagine a, a home World Cup final in, in front of 100,000. And it's like, we, like I've got to be honest, you know, this was a few years ago and we were thinking, it's just not possible. Like we're thinking, <laughs> imagine, imagine playing in a home World Cup final in front of 500 people at the MCG. That's going to be an absolute um, shocker of a of a atmosphere. But um, she had the vision, and a lot of people um, up up top sort of had a had the vision, and um, then the players played their role and played some outstanding cricket in the years leading up to it. So to be honest, it was it was much more than I ever envisaged and um, absolutely I was um, you know really gutted that I, I wasn't a part of it but at the same time as a spectator um, just amazed at, at where it was and, and how many people were there in the atmosphere and, and I got a real buzz out of being there. And you mix a lot with some of those senior Australian players like Perry, obviously Healy as well, Haynes etc. Some of those big name players who are used to dealing with pressure I don't think anything has matched the pressure that they dealt with during the campaign because the expectation was that Australia was going to win. It was marketed probably by the media more than anything else that they were a certainty to reach the final. They had some bumps along the way, particularly early on. Are you surprised? Well, I suppose you wouldn't be surprised in a way as to how they dealt with the pressure with such maturity, in particular regarding a home campaign. Yeah, I think um, I think probably. Um 
there was a lot more pressure um, seemingly placed from the from the media and all that sort of stuff. But I don't know if the girls would have necessarily um, felt that pressure, so to speak. I, I think they would have been doing their best to, to just sort of focusing on the here and now and, and being really present. And I know that that's something that they spoke about and, and just worrying about the next game. And um, I think it was it probably worked to their advantage that they lost a, an early game and it just meant from then on it was really easy. They had to keep winning, um, which allowed them to, to carry that momentum throughout the tournament. But I've no doubt that sort of in the back of their minds they would have been thinking, well, there's been a lot of talk about Australia being um, there and um, on the MCG and in front of a record-breaking crowd on the 8th of March and probably in the back of their minds they were sort of thinking, well, it'd be a little bit embarrassing if um, if we weren't there. So, mm. um, But no, they certainly, um, as you said, there's plenty of senior senior players in that squad and I know someone like Rachel Haynes is the vice-captain. Um, she's all over that stuff and making sure that that everyone's um, feeling really comfortable and just focusing on, on the things that matter the most and, and trying to quieten that outside noise. So, um, yeah, the girls handled it expertly, as we expect. Just before I let you go, we're speaking with Elise Villani here on SEN. Your tip for how the T20 and the subsequent one-day series will go? Do you think New Zealand can challenge or will it be a whitewash to Australia? <laughs> um, look, I think it's probably... Oh, I think it's going to be a whitewash, to be honest. I think... Um, I think Australia will, I mean, I feel like I'm doomed if I say that and I'm doomed if I don't because, you know, like, <laughs> I, want Australia to, I want Australia to have a whitewash, so I'm going to go with a whitewash, but I also wouldn't be surprised if there's some really close games in there. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully it is a good contest. Of course, the T20 series commences on Saturday between Australia and New Zealand up at Allen Border Field in Queensland. And as I let you go, since this is primarily a Melbourneian discussion, I should ask, given you are a massive Collingwood supporter, how do you think they'll perform in the finals? I know you're a massive Pies fan. Well, I'm a little bit dirty on the boys because um, I tipped them in the obviously the final round against Port Adelaide. And if I had got up, I would have won my tipping competition with my mates that's been going on for a number of years so I'm a little bit dirty on them but I'm hoping that they can turn it around for me and get the one that matters and I'll I'll forgive them for for, uh, stuffing up my tips (laughs) Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. (laughs) We'll see what happens. And indeed, we'll see what happens with great anticipation with the Australian women's cricket team as they take on New Zealand this weekend. Elise, really appreciate your time. Thanks for having a chat and all the best over the coming weeks and in the lead up to the WBBL as well. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Thanks very much for having me. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.